0: Could you please take up your Bibles, either on the sides or in front of you, or at the hopefully you received one upstairs as you came in, and please turn to Psalm 16. It's on page 453 in the black Bibles. If you've got one of the blue larger print Bibles, they're just at the back if you need one, but they're on page 535. Psalm 16. Listen to God's words to us. It's the mictam of David. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they're the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood, I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to shale or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. So as I said this morning, we're onto to our second of the fruit of the Spirit, and, and perhaps for you it's a surprising one, a joy. You know, if you could sum up Christianity in a word, well, perhaps for you it just wouldn't be joy. I don't know, dreary, perhaps academic, but not joyful. Whereas for others of us, you are all about the joy, you know, although not necessarily a, a deep joy that we're going to think about, but a kind of a happy-go-lucky kind of everything is awesome kind of thing, you know, whether it's a kind of the adrenaline junkie kind of end or the cozy hugger kind of end, you know, life's got it all. And we as a society, we're, we're, uh, you know, we're in a society that really does go for it when it comes to searching for happiness, being uplifted, glad. You know, there's so many books, aren't there, about happiness, so many songs about pleasure. Often it's very much related to it, expressing our sexuality. That's, that's what we want to, to kind of indulge our sensuality. It's pleasure. Now, let's be honest. Pleasure in itself—it's not the enemy, is it? God has given us a body with senses and a, a wonderful world to enjoy. Just the other day, uh, at the dinner table as a family, we were chatting about what would make the best house, and a lot of our answers did, did centre around the fun uh, and what we enjoyed. For some of us, it was kind of swimming pools and slides and jacuzzis and massive TVs. For others of us, it was beautiful views, a wine fridge, and lots of books. You can work out who was who was who, but. Um, you know, life has, has wonderful gifts in it that we should enjoy. But those, those moments of those, uh, fun and pleasure, those moments of happiness, is that joy? Is that the fruit Paul is talking about in Galatians? A, a life just of happiness and everlasting smiles with a cherry on top? Or is there something more to it? Does it go deeper and fuller than that? As we're going to see in Jesus' life, joy is not, it's not less than happiness. Happiness often is, is joy spilling out of our lives, isn't it? But it's definitely more. It's something that is so great, it can encompass all of life. It can put its giant arms around pleasure, yes, but also about, around sorrow and pain, around suffering and persecution even around death itself. C.S. Lewis has written a lot about joy. It played a big part of how he became a Christian, but he, he pulls kind of joy and pleasure apart. Joy, he says, is, is never in our power. In other words, there's, a, there's an otherworldly element to joy. It surprises us. It, it reaches to us from the outside. Whereas pleasure, as he says, is often in our power. We do different things to kind of create pleasure. So, so joy, we, we can't just kind of click our fingers and have it. No, it's a a fruit of the Spirit. It's from God himself. And to to find it is hard, isn't it? But often we know it when we see it. Perhaps you've seen it in Christian friends or family. There's a joy in life. Even in the tears, there's, there's this power of an indestructible life that kind of gurgles up in the midst of it all. Well, that there's a refreshing enjoyment of simple pleasures, a delight in other people. And amazingly, it's often out of those who've suffered the most, isn't it? A comedian you may have heard of called Eddie Izzard, in one of his shows years ago, he was commenting on Christian singing, especially the kind of singing you'd hear in pretty nominal churches. You know, he'd clearly never been to to Trinity, obviously, but he he spotted something really profound about joy, because he said this, he said, there's something weird, something phenomenally dreary about Christian singing. He does quite a good impression. I'm not going to do it. But, but then he said this. He said, the gospel singers are the only singers that just go crazy joyous and it's amazing. And then he said this. He said, and it's born out of kidnapping, imprisonment, slavery, murder, all of that. And this joyous singing. And he spotted something, although he wouldn't admit it. But he's seen that the power of God can produce joy even or especially out of the darkness of life. And that's what we want, isn't it? That's what we want, a life that, that, that radiates out of us, an infectious joy, a rejoicing in life that can contain and hold and yet, and yet burst through the sorrows we face. And it's that kind of joy that Jesus shares with us. Remember, it's the fruit of the Spirit That's the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit forming in us the likeness of Jesus. And Jesus even says so in John 15. He says this. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Jesus wants us to have his joy. Well, this morning, first of all, we're going to take a, a quick tour of Jesus' life, this life full of joy, and then we'll head to Psalm 16 to dig a little bit deeper into Jesus' source of joy. And we pray that as we gaze on Christ and His joy and his life by His spirit, he begin to grow that same joy in us. So firstly, let's just think about Jesus' life of joy, his life of joy. Now if Jesus said He had joy to give us, well, if that's true. Then how did we see it as in the life he lived two thousand years ago in Israel? Now the New Testament doesn't say much about him laughing or smiling, and I wonder if some of us might be tempted to, to see Jesus as a bit of a misery gut, a bit like a stern teacher, you know, kind of his, his brow uh, lined of years of frowning. You know, he was on an important mission, sins all around him. Surely he was serious, not joyful. But actually, as we look a bit closer, Jesus, he was full of joy. He was, not, he was not gloomy at all. Now, nor was he glib. His joy wasn't shallow. So let's see those things. Firstly, he wasn't gloomy. Now, we've all met gloomy people, haven't we? They, they just kind of suck the life out of a room like a dementor in Harry Potter. And, and, and any comment you say to, to try and kind of lift spirit to, is kind of put down. A deep sigh comes out, you know, like, like Eeyore or, or Puddle Glum. It'll probably rain, I shouldn't wonder. But not Jesus, Not Jesus. Just remember how the the angel described the, the news of Jesus' birth to the shepherds. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Good news of great joy. And then Jesus comes and he's the preacher of this news. Surely he could not proclaim that kind of news without joy. It would have been ridiculous, wouldn't it? It would have been fake, misleading. Just imagine him exuding joy as he speaks out. And this joy we see expressed in different ways in his life. He was was a friendly man, wasn't he? He was loved by people. He was often eating in their homes. He supplied wine for a joyous wedding. He was even accused wrongly, but it shows something of being a, a drunken and a gluttony partied. We also hear of him in Luke's gospel deeply rejoicing in the Holy Spirit, rejoicing that God had revealed wonderful things to his disciples It's a joyful life that pours out of Jesus. He wasn't a gloomy man, but nor was he glib. He wasn't glib. His joy wasn't some kind of superficial, saccharine, all smiles kind of joy. As Warfield said, his joy was not the shallow joy of mere pagan delight in living. Now, yes, he was often happy in life, but it wasn't as, he, if, as if he just went from party to party. You know, keeping up this kind of endless, fake carnival atmosphere, keeping away from the difficulties of life, the hardships. Um, you, you know, I'll keep you awake, you'll ruin my happiness. No, he wasn't glib. We, we all know there's a, there's a difference between the person who's hardly suffered and says, oh, it'll be okay, just keep smiling, and the person who's, who's walked the dark paths who is yet full of life and holds your hand and still prays for joy. Jesus, he was a man of joy, yes, but he's also a man of sorrows. He spent time with the sick, the disabled, the tormented and victimized. He wept with the grieving. He shed tears over his lost people. And he went through a turmoil of spirit we could never imagine as the dark shadow of the cross loomed over his life, especially his final days, that that the Garden of Gethsemane was not a a garden of laughter and frivolous drinking. It was a place of earnest prayer. Jesus, he was a, a man of joy and somehow his joy was not intention. It was not in opposition to the suffering he witnessed and experienced. He wasn't kind of confused or torn. He had an emotional life that allowed them to come together somehow. As John Piper puts it, there were divergent notes in the music of his soul, but the result was a symphony. Here was joy, not gloomy or glib, but rich, infectious, something lasting, glorious, glorious. Jesus' life of joy. It's a wonderful vision of a full life, isn't it? Is that how you've pictured him? A life of joy. And it's the kind of life we'd love to have, isn't it? We'd love to have this kind of experience. Not gloomy, but not shallow and glib. So how? How, how? Where did Jesus' joy come from? Well, the Psalms give us a wonderful window into the emotional life of Jesus. Yes, they're written hundreds of years before him, but because they're written by the Holy Spirit, they do have a prophetic quality. As David, a forerunner, a pointer to Jesus, wrote, God allowed him to express a glimpse of the true king, the one David was just a shadow of. And as Jesus sang these Psalms hundreds of years later, suddenly they could be, they could be heard in, in new technicolor, if that's possible, so here in Psalm 16, we get an insight into not just Jesus' life of joy, but Jesus' source of joy, his source of joy. And we're not going to look at everything in this psalm, but simply spend a moment on what brings joy to God's king. And it's as simple as this. It probably won't surprise you. It's, it's God himself. It's God himself. And firstly, it's God himself now. God himself now. Come with me to 16, verse 5. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. Right here, in the center of the psalm, we see the glorious source of Jesus' deep joy. It's the Lord himself. Jesus has God as his chosen portion and cup. That's like saying his food and drink. God is all he ne- all he needs. He says, daily bread. Verse six, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Jesus sees God in his life like a a beautiful land, piece of land, an inheritance, and it's just the way it hoped, kind of fertile soil here for sowing, lush grass on the hills for his animals, beautiful views from the craggy summit. And God's presence is wonderful because of the relationship he has. Verse seven, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. Well, look at the little summary in verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. Jesus' source of joy, it was God himself now. God didn't leave him bereft or in the dark. He didn't say you can know me tomorrow, but not today. He was with him. Jesus knew him. He knew his ordering and his help in his life. The son of God walking on this earth had a a wonderful delight in his father. Jesus' great joy, it came from a a deep fellowship with God. It's important to say it wasn't found by looking for joy. If you try and get joy, if that's your target, you'll be, you'll be grasping after the wind. It'll slip through your fingers. No, For, for Jesus, it was about knowing a person. And God wasn't some static rock that was just to be kind of looked at for Jesus. He wasn't a work of art to be admired. Instead, he was to be known, to be enjoyed. Now, we glimpse this in our own friendships, don't we? You know, if you just analysed your friend every time you, um, you met them, you know, oh, you're, you're wearing new glasses, you speak with an Abaddonian accent, you speak kind words. You know, it's, it isn't much really of a friendship, is it? They'd be like, can, can we actually kind of interact here, please? And so the source of joy, it's in a relationship. And so it's also a saying, it's outside of Jesus. Jesus wasn't, he wasn't having to locate joy in, it kind of inside himself. He wasn't having to, to search for the hero inside himself. He wasn't be, having to be happy with who he, he was or in being the best version of himself, no. The source of joy, it came from outside. But this source outside of him, it only works if it's it's the most wonderful and glorious one. Only as deep and real if the source of joy is in himself, infinite life and glory, the true God himself. Jesus, he not only had an external source of joy, he had the right one. He had the right one. He he kept himself firmly from fake gods. Do you see that in verse four? The sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. Now that second half shows his attitude to other gods. He, he, he will not touch them with a barge pole. He won't go near their sacrifices, not even take their name to his lips. Why? Because fake idols, fake gods, they, they rob us of joy. You see, their sh- sorrow shall multiply. False gods, they promise much, but they deliver little. Often their, their promises are shallow, and all they provide us are limited pleasures but sorrows come in the morning. You know, the, the God of sex offers joy as you sleep with whoever you like, and after that fleeting pleasure of the affair, a wrecked family and hurting kids sit before you. The God of drunken escape offers joy as you party hard, but then leaves you with a, an empty wallet, a banging headache and wondering what hurtful words you said in the dark hours. The God of self, it offers joy to those who, who are just to themselves, but then leaves you desolate when all you can find in yourself is sin and hurt and guilt and past mistakes and failure. And you've got nowhere to turn except deeper in. They promise much, but they end up robbing us of joy. No wonder Jesus kept away from them. No wonder he, he fired back at Satan in his temptations, begone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. God himself now. That was Jesus' source of joy. And the glorious, the glorious truth of the gospel is that Christ doesn't keep God for himself. We don't just kind of look on in envy. Jesus brings us to him too. The triune God is, is our portion and cup. The Spirit himself comes to us. He unites us to the Son of God in heavenly glory, who then brings us to the Father as our Father. Isn't that wonderful? In Christ God, the source of Jesus' joy, he becomes our joy. We have in our hands the most, the most beautiful treasure anyone could behold everything else fades in comparison. So even, you know, even if I lost my, my phone, my nice car, my house, my holidays, my friends, it, it wouldn't matter because I still have the glistening gemstone of God himself, full of color in my hands. And in our heavenly God, we find not a, a glib happiness that ignores suffering and pain. Instead, we find a relationship, a relationship that cannot be extinguished, that can contain all of life's twists and turns. He is with us in a way no one else is. And as we look at life, we just want to say that the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have God Himself now through Jesus who gives me His joy. But the wonderful mystery is that it's not just now, this psalm gives us a window into the future. God himself then. God himself then. Just have a look with me at verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. God's presence here means it's a permanence for Jesus. He shall not be shaken. In other words, it can't be taken away. Therefore, verse 9, therefore my heart is glad. And my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure the security that's what's bringing him joy and he goes on verse 10 for you will not abandon my soul to sheol that's the place of the dead or let your holy one see corruption jesus has a present joy he says my heart is glad now because he is secure for the future god won't abandon him and what is particularly secure verse 11 in your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What's secure? It's it's God himself. God himself then, in the future. Because of God's promise to Jesus to not let him stay dead, to not let him rot in the grave, but to lift him up to life, Jesus knows God's presence is always guaranteed for him. As Jesus lived for 33 years in Israel, and particularly as he walked towards the cross, he had joy because he knew not even death could separate him from his Father in heaven. He was staring that cross in the face through the lens of the resurrection. The writer to the Hebrews puts it like this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There was a joy that was ahead. God himself then as well as now. And this is vital, the source of his joy couldn't change. It couldn't go away. God wasn't some fleeting pleasure for tonight with no assurance of what he'd be left with in the morning. Because That's often our experience of life, isn't it? We, we, we live from pleasure to pleasure. We live from holiday to holiday, weekend to weekend. We, we scroll our diaries looking for the next moment of fun or excitement. Because we know, we know they, they come and go. Holidays, they're, they're wonderful things, but then they fade and vanish. They're like mist, vapor. They're here and then gone. But They point us beyond themselves to a joy that doesn't change or fade. The longing they create, hint of a longing satisfied. Jesus could enjoy all the moments around him as, as they were meant to be enjoyed because he knew the real source of joy could never be taken from him. God was never going to abandon him, never going to leave him or forget about him. God Himself then was His source of joy now. You know, imagine knowing your closest friendship was never going to end. I don't know, perhaps it, your best friend or your, your spouse. Imagine that. It, it gives such a wonderful, deep comfort, doesn't it? Knowing it's always going to be there, they're always going to be there that was Jesus he knew his greatest love his greatest treasure his father could never be taken away and Christ offers that to us he offers us a certainty that we will never be abandoned or forgotten by God in Christ our future is secure we have a resurrection hope like Jesus not based on our worthiness Not because we're we're God's holy one, certainly not, but because we're found in the holy one. We're found in Jesus. His resurrection is the hope of our resurrection. That empty tomb means that ours will one day be empty too. The source of our joy, God himself, will not be snatched from us. He will not slip through our fingers like everything else in this world in fact, in the resurrection, our present joy will be, will be incomparable to the deeper, richer, more real expression of it then. We will see glory. It's going to be even better. And joy now, well, it's holding on to the greater joy of then. It's knowing God will say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master As Paul said, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. God himself now, yes, but also God himself then. What's lovely about Jesus is that this delight in his father just spills out into a delight of his brothers and sisters. Verse three, as for the saints in the land, they're excellent, they're the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Christ's joy is found in God and then somehow that means there's space for more joy. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Jesus delights in us and that delight is part of his story as he walked through the dark steps of Calvary. His rescue was fueled by love and delight in what he was gonna do for us. He loves to share his joy with us. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full in Christ we have what our world is looking for not fleeting pleasures but God himself forever but what what about in the twists and turns of life perhaps you know we get this idea when we've had a good day don't we we get it when we we turn up to church we we sing our favorite hymns we i don't know through the sermon the holy spirit just speaks wonderful words of comfort to our souls we we get how joy works then but life isn't always like that even on a very mundane level I wrote this some this a few days ago. and I, I, I don't know. I'd woken up that day a bit grumpy. I hadn't slept great. I found the exuberant life of my children at 6.30 a bit much and felt the only way through the day was with a big cup of coffee. Now, for some of you, that's nothing, is it? That sounds like a good day. For some of you, for some of us, the, the mental darkness can be very real and I'm not necessarily meaning a depression, something that can, is often helped by medication, but in, instead... Just those low sorrows, those days of inside pain and dea- tears, perhaps of grief or worry. What does the joy of knowing God mean in those moments? How can we follow Paul's command to rejoice in the Lord always? Well, I wonder if it's like, a little bit like a well in our soul. A deep source that that comes out, that expresses itself differently depending on what's going on around us, but also one that's never ruined, it's never spoiled or changed by what's going on around us. You know, knowledge of God, enjoyment of Him when life feels as if the lines have fallen pleasantly. Well, it allows us to, to overflow in thankfulness, doesn't it, in life. It allows us to, to give of ourselves for others, to find the right kind of gladness in the gifts of life, enjoying them for what they are, not just the pleasure they bring. May no one say of us that we're gloomy. But it also overflows in those harder moments, in the moments of pain and tears. How? I wonder if it overflows in endurance in sticking with Jesus in knowing he's worth it that although weeping may tarry for the night joy comes in the morning and we just know we we have someone wonderful holding us safely carefully graciously we're thankful for what we do have. We, we reach deep into our pockets and force ourselves to bring out that treasured jewel, that pearl of great price, out into the light, and we gaze upon it afresh, God himself in Christ. And we let the Spirit, just for the moment, take our minds off our sorrows onto the one who became a man of sorrows. Take our mind off the pain we have onto the one who we know became, uh, took pain for us and unto the one who sent him, onto the God of heaven above, the one in whom is found all the fountains of life, the one we can gaze upon day after day after day for eternity long and we will not have reached the depths of joy we can find in him alone, our portion, our cup. And just for a moment, we say from the depths of our heart, in your presence there is fullness of joy, At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen.